Hello, everyone, and welcome to Soundcheck, the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here at Central Michigan Life. My name is Andrew Mullen. I'm joined by my co-host. Michael Livingston. I almost forgot to say the words. <laughs> um, for, well, to start off first, I, I, I would be reminiscent to say, if I didn't mention that currently, actually today, later today, as of a recording, we're going to be celebrating CM Life's 100th anniversary. Woo-hoo! And uh, so definitely, if, you, if you're on campus and you have a chance, go pick up the... Uh, uh, our 100th anniversary edition. It, you can learn about the history of our wonderful media organization. Yes. And um, because of that, a lot of alumni, a lot of CM Life alumni are coming back today, which is very apt because we are joined by a very special guest. If you'd like to introduce yourself and what you did here at CM Life. Hello, hello. I am Jordan Hermony. I used to be the editor-in-chief uh, in 2018. And before that, just basically lived in Moore Hall like a specter. Um, I am very excited to be back and on the podcast today because it's been a hot minute. I used to run like the original version of the. Was it called Notable? It was uh, called Past the Ox. I'm not proud of that title. (laughs) Not proud of that title at all. Um, But we, yeah, it was like right when we started trying out podcasting here. So. Yeah, it was mine and Kate Carlson, who was another editor at the time, our attempt at trying to do a podcast. We, kind of... we crawled so you guys could run <laughs> eventually. <laughs> well, well, Thank kind, you. What kind of topics did you guys talk about on that podcast? It was mainly, it was less of a like genre-based thing and more of like a we are going to pick one. Oh, well, I guess kind of it's the same thing. We'll mm-hmm. pick an artist and do a rundown of like, what we thought were like the top three either albums or songs depending on how mm-hmm. big their discography was and then we would argue about why the other person was wrong mm-hmm. um and yeah. then it, yeah so yeah we'd argue why the other person was wrong and we'd play a couple of seconds and then we'd do a featured piece at the end of like what's new that we're listening to which i hear is exactly like what you guys do oh, yeah. so oh, yeah. no need to reinvent the wheel we're just back for mm-hmm. round two yeah. so. sometimes we just do stupid things too as well yeah well i That's wouldn't call them stupid well it's we, stupid fun it Stupid is fun, fun, but they are informational. We uh, last year we like went to a record store and like got a bunch of like dollar CDs nice. and listened to all of them and like kind of brought that to the table. That was really fun. We've d- we do like top uh, ten lists too. And, we like, also did one on our guilty pleasures. And yeah, we brought oh that one was. So much we've fun. talked about like our favorite concert experiences. Just yeah. like yeah, a lot we, of we fun. kind of broadened a lot it of up. Fun stuff. I'm, g- I'm glad we could expand. And uh, run with uh, past past experiences. So yeah. thank you for the uh, for the ability to do so. Hey, um, before we get started today, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at scheckofficial. I was just about to. Do oh, it. I know. I'm reading your mind. <laughs> uh, you can follow our personal accounts too. Uh, go ahead and plug yours first. Uh, Andrew Mullen four. Yeah. Uh, mine is Mike Live. Uh, Michael. C. Sorry, Michael Sealip. <laughs> I, I don't even know, know my own, own Twitter because you don't well, use it. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of my uh, my emails. But anyway, Jordan, do you want to plug your Twitter? Oh yeah, I'll plug my Twitter. Uh, it's Jordan J O R D Y M H E R M A N I. It's my first and last name, and I tweet about dumb things and politics. I follow you on Twitter. I know. Yes. I I have a very was, eclectic Twitter. I, I remember. I, I just remember the one thing I remember you tweet is like during the first presidential debates. It was like I think what well, like it was like the second one I think of that first round and. Uh, I remember. I just remember you saying something like, "Here's how you watch the debates. You get you type. I, I, I'm 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 speaking verbatim here, but like you said something like, type something up, look at it. 
Know your editor will be disappointed. Delete it and keep going. Yep. <laughs> Type up your thoughts. You think about what your boss will say tomorrow morning. You wonder if it's worth it. And then you just close Twitter. That's how I tweet, actually. Like, <laughs> n- one out of every 12 tweets I attempt to post actually makes it to the cutting floor. It makes it off the cutting floor. So. Yeah. Nice. But, yeah, no. All of my tweets now are about music. I just retweeted um, something that was like, at Elon Musk, start an indie band with me. I don't know why, but I just thought that was. Is he funny. still dating Grimes? No, he's not. So. Okay, I've I don't been think like so. off that like social media beat for for a hot second. But okay, that's good. Woof, because that would have been the band to end all bands. <laughs> it would have. Elon, his weird screaming girlfriend Grimes, <laughs> and me in the corner just hitting the electric triangle. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you speaking of that? You speaking? Of, I, I I was I didn't know this. Apparently, you can put a piano through a distortion pedal. Apparently, that's something you can do. You I didn't know anything through a distortion. I was going to say, told. I think it's just like anything, luck and stupidity. The electric kazoo. <laughs> nice. Not even Did God Ben even introduce you. himself? Because he's on this episode as no. well. Tangentially. <laughs> Podcast believe. editor, Ben Ackley. <laughs> that's about it. All right. Do you have a Twitter, Ben? Do you like to plug? Jesus. I'm going to be making Foley sounds in the background with this sucker. <laughs> I have another one. If oh, my God. Those are those caramel apple, like, green things. Yeah. Those are the worst things for your teeth, but they taste amazing. Yes. Yeah. This is, like, ASMR hellhole. Can I swear? That's that's not a swear word. Oh, we hear so, so much. On you should hear. You should hear. I, I tried, because earlier today, we, 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 I was, we were journalists from Rocks, which is, like, a thing where, like, like, I guess, like, journalism department here at uh, Central Michigan. Yeah, it's where we're trying to indoctrinate children. Yeah, in, until I'm coming here for journalism. And I, I, we were trying, I was trying to find clips to play for them because we were <laughs> doing a journalism thing. And I was struggling because, like, I can't find any where I'm, like, not saying fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. We used to have a hard and fast rule where it was, like, anything you couldn't say in church or, like, in front of your grandma. It was because, I mean, yeah. half of us aren't really. It, well, it, anything you wouldn't say in front of your grandma, yeah. like, you shouldn't say on the pod, which didn't really work in my no. situation because I have... Very bad, poor filter. But as yeah. do all journalists. Yes. But then did your mom once yell at you? My yes. Mommy No, she she li- she was like, "Honey, I love your podcast so much, but why does Andrew swear so much? And why do you always swear? Like, why don't you just like it's peer pressure? I'm a good boy, mom. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. And so I tried to cut it back, but I, this I, I, recently I, I've been letting it fly a little I, I more. I think you were once on the phone once and heard your mom in the background, and I'd say, "Hi, I'm Michael's mom. I'm the kid." Who, I, I'm the kid who's indoctrinated your child yeah. into swearing right. on the podcast. It's Anyways, okay. what are we talking about? Today? Y'all brought me here today to talk about the B fifty two. Thank you. Yeah. Transition. Yes, one of my absolute favorites ever. Definitely my favorite new wave band, mm-hmm. but certainly one of my favorite bands. Period. Definitely is maybe one of my favorite albums of all time. I'm super psyched to having to talk about the B-52s. And I thought to bring Jordan on because um, when I came here as a lowly old freshman for like, I knew you for like one semester, and I think we may have shared three conversations that entire time. Sounds about right. But I think at least two of them had something to do with the B-52s. Yeah, it's not surprising. It's not shocking. I know because I told you, it was like, you remind me, one of our first conversations was me just like, I love to randomly share things about myself apropos of, like, no one will ask me and I'll just start talking. Mm-hmm. It's a great quality I have. <laughs> great quality for a podcast. It is. Yes. Um, no, but one of the first, if not the first concert I ever saw was the B-52s. I was six and they nice. came to, like, Meadowbrook and my mom, my mother's a music teacher um, in Allen Park. So she has just been, like, throwing music at me ever since I've been nice. alive. 
Um, but yeah, no, she was, I have this like very vivid memory of like sitting on her shoulders in like the pit watching the B-52s. Wow. Um, there's a pit, was there a mosh pit at the B-52s? No, it was just like weird you were, you would be like, Meadowbrook is like the outside area, so like you could be, I'm like saying the pit like lovingly, but it was like the closer parts to the stage. Yeah, parts where you can stand. Yeah, so, but... Um, yeah, it was one of the first bands I ever saw and was completely enraptured, not just by their sound, but just by their fashion as well. Oh, my God. Their whole aesthetic, I think it was, like, one of the first times I'd ever seen a band be so just, like, out there and so... Basically, like an Andy Warhol painting, like if it made music, is like how I would describe the B-52s. I have never heard that way, but that's amazing. Yeah, it's amazingly described this band. Yeah, so, I can't imagine what that stage performance must have been. Oh, like. I they're they're on my bucket list to see live. Yeah, easily. I I mean, because I, I actually came across, and I won't get too out of myself. I came across like this. Like performance of theirs from like like a New Year's performance in 1990 for like Dance This Mess Around. Mm-hmm. It is like energetic. Like they were still like super energetic. At They're that crazy. Time. They're still like way, way, way into it. Like I've seen, I've seen like younger bands. So like I saw the Pixies a couple summers ago, and <laughs> they literally stood there. First song on, they, they opened for Weezer, fun fact. We were at the same show. Were we? Yeah, I might have definitely. been in Indianapolis, but I was oh, okay. at that tour. We saw that same tour then. Yes, but definitely. did they do, okay, because I, I lived in India at the time. Mm-hmm. I saw their show. They stood completely stock still. They opened with Where Is My Mind. Yep. And then they, like, two songs later played, like, Here Comes Your Man or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Where the Pixies by, and, like, didn't move. It was, no energy. Yeah, like, I, I, I was... I, Went to so that show. sad. I, I went so to that sad. show to see the Pixies, Same. and like I left seeing Weezer, which you know kind of sucks. But like, <laughs> I, 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 I still love the like just hearing Pixies songs because that is like the band for me. I danced to the Pixies when I was three years old. Like the Pixies are everything. So seeing them just you know kind of lazily put on a show, it was I li- really sad. It was really it was disappointing because I had seen Weezer twice at that point, and I was mm-hmm. like, cool, I want to really go see the Pixies. This is nuts. Yeah. And it's super disappointing, but my the reason I brought that up is because it's like they are running circles around like bands much younger than them, yeah. or even like like now, like I don't know. It, it's weird though because I was watching that performance and like for a dance rock band, they're pretty bad at dancing. Oh, but, I mean, but they put they sell everything into it. Like mm-hmm. they don't give a shit that they're terrible. It's great. Yeah. To be fair, they got a bad case of the Caucasians, man. Some white people they just have no rhythm despite having rhythm. So. <laughs> Bad, I mean, chalk that up. Not everyone. I might be the one to edge your jokes. Let's get on the show before. Okay, so, Andrew, I want you to go into a topic you've talked about before on the show on how you, the B-52s kind of changed your mind when it comes to New Wave. Because you used kind to have of. a disdain for New Wave, did you not? Um, for, for When I first heard them, yes, I did. So, I first found out about the B-52s um, through a garage sale, funny enough. Um, I, I would go around... Like when I was first getting to music, one of the things I liked to do was going around town and try to find records and mm-hmm. CDs and whatnot. And then I think in my neighborhood, just like a few houses down, like they were like selling like CDs and shit for like a quarter each. And I was like, okay. And I saw this. And I was like, this bright yet like the debut, the yeah. bright the debut record from them. And it's just bright yellow. They got all this weird clothing on them. Mm-hmm. They have like hair half their size. And like, what is this? Yeah. And it was like a quarter. I'll get this. Why not? And so I take it back home with me. And I was, when I was looking, it's like, oh, I think I just bought a disco album. Oh, God, what have I done? And then I kind of looked at what was on there. It's like, 
Okay, this isn't disco. I don't know what this is. There's what is it? Rock lobster? What? To be fair, right. I don't think anyone knew what it was, even no, when it I, dropped and <laughs> thereafter. No. Like I was like so confused. Like this is so weird, and I really like this. And and that's that's what kind of drew to me, just the sheer oddness of this band. And they had a really cool guitar sound, the really mm-hmm. odd sounded keyboard. Everything about this album, everything about this album, this band for 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 most of their career, which is very strange to me. That's what really drew me to them. And I didn't know they were considered new wave for a bit. And again, like I said in our Talking Heads episode, that was unfortunately lost over this uh, season. Um, I, for me, like I, again, I, I grew up like loving punk. Not grew up, but I when I was when I started to get really into punk, I was like I was eventually Jelly offered said new new wave sucked in a song. So I'm like right. new wave, fuck new wave. I want nothing to do with this. So um, I. So, yeah, I, I kind of just, anything that had that label, I was like, no, no, thank you. I don't want mm-hmm. it. But um, V-52s, yeah, definitely helped change the perception. They were definitely probably one of, not the band, like, oh, actually, I like the V-52s and the police and Elvis Costello. I guess I, I, say, I think it's so funny that, like, we get along as well as we do because, like, like you just being like, oh, like, screw New Wave, like, blah, blah, blah. Because it's, like, some of my favorite artists are well, not just see, now I love New Wave now. Right, mm-hmm. no, but, like, I unironically love disco. I unironically, like, love New Wave forever. <laughs> like, I, all that stuff, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, like, a really bad rap for, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. how, I don't know, how impressive it was on, like, music history and, like, what it attempted to do and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the B-52s is a really cool, like, gap or bridge to that gap for like people who like don't really aren't really fans of like one certain type of genre they bring so much to the Mm -hmm. table that even if you aren't a fan of you know disco new wave you know funky whatever like they have something in their wild mishmash of a discography that you can kind of find something to like even if you don't like it and and, and, you know kind of coming off that it's kind of interesting because i think i've talked to michael about this you know if you're looking at New Wave, and you're talking about that gap. New, like, if you look at like, the big, I would consider, I guess, the big four of New Wave, at least your late 70s. I would consider that to be the Police, the Talking Heads, Elvis Costello, and the B-52s. And if you look at all their set. That was a scoff. What was that what scoff you, What do you got to say, man? What <laughs> the fuck do you think I have to say? Devo. You're just going to say Devo. Of course, Devo. Devo, Devo is like right You do kind of, you do kind of got to give it to them. Devo. I, well, I, I'm not saying you can't. I love Devo, but like, I don't know. If we're talking like commercial success, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's debatable. But okay. the point I bring those four bands out, because if you look at all of them, they're, they all have the, some of the ba- more bass roots in, in art rock from the 70s and, like, early punk rock. They kinda, that's kind of where their roots were. But if you looked at, like, each four of the band, they kind of took it all in different directions. Like, Talking Heads went more a serious dance rock kind of direction. Uh, Police obviously went ahead with, with reggae, combined that sound with reggae and mm-hmm. some ska. Elvis Costello just decided to be Buddy Holly in the 70s. And um, B-52. <laughs> You're not wrong. I love I love Elvis Costello, but that's what he did. Mm. But the B-52s, they kind of took it with, um, they can they kind of do, do like, you know, 60s girl groups, um, you know. Surf rock. Surf, so yeah, surf rock, 60s garage in there as well, and be really weird with it. Like, it. oh, go ahead. And honestly, I just think, honestly, I prefer the sound over the other four. I read, so, like, while doing my homework to kind of, like, brush myself up on, like, I'm a big B-52s fan, but, like, I didn't know a lot of, like, the stories behind, like, some of the recordings or stuff like that, and I was reading that, like, in, like, their early, early, like, while they were recording, like, their first album, 
um, they would just go to record shops and like pick up like yeah. old sci-fi like albums, like just like movie soundtracks to sci-fi movies. Which like looking b- at that album and like looking at like Planet Claire or whatever, like yeah, that yeah. makes so much it, sense. It explains like, a lot. But yeah, I also I think my favorite story from that was reading that the B-52s formed after they got way too drunk at yes! a Chinese restaurant. Yes, <laughs> they yes. got yes. like flamingos. Fuck it, we're Let's do this. Yeah, flaming volcanoes. They said they drank way too many of them and they went home and it was like the Wilson siblings were like let's jam you know and now we have the B-52s today for getting way too drunk at a Chinese restaurant well this was my first exposure to the B-52s this is something Andrew's been throwing my way since the day I met him but I haven't thank you (laughs) however uh, this was kind of the first time I delved into him and right from the start right from going to the self-titled right from going to Planet Claire it was definitely not what I was expecting in the best way possible yeah they're just they're just unapologetic. I think for most of their career, when you listen to the albums, they were never afraid to be unapologetically odd. Mm. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep using words like that a lot because it's, it's kind of how you have to describe them. Like they're probably the weirdest of the new wave bands, except for maybe Oingo Boingo. Mm. Valid. And I wonder how much of being unapologetically odd comes from the fact that the only two men in the group were also gay men in the '70s. Mm. And I'm wondering if, like, that sense of other was, like, a, like, we're already kind of othered by, like, society. And, like, because the gay community really, really embraced the B-52s, which is, like, how out there and, like, how effeminate um, Ricky Wilson and I'm blanking on... Fred Snyder? um, The lead singer? Yeah. um, How just, like, unapologetically, like, feminine and odd and out there they were. Mm -hmm. And so it was, like, you can't be you can't, like, make fun of us if we're already kind of making fun of ourselves type of thing, which is always how I interpreted, like, the B-52s. Like, that's why they were so odd is because they were already taking their oddities and not trying to hide it. They were just trying to, like, make it so, like, hey, like, you're going to think we're weird. Why not get weirder? Like Not not only lyrically odd, but also instrumentally odd in terms of guitar tone. um, Ricky Wilson would is used alternate tunings, which I found very fascinating. Uh, my friend even told me he would remove the G and D string, the middle two strings on the guitar, and kind of just tune it all to like similar notes and yeah. like just make this the really cool uh, chord progressions with these alternate tunings. I thought that was just fascinating. And then you have those really weird, odd sci-fi, like sci-fi inspired, you know, key- keyboard lines. And those mm-hmm. like, I, I keep forgetting, um, it was, was it Kate Pearson on, Keyboards. I, I always forget. It was either Kate or um, Cindy. Uh, I'm gonna fact check on air. Uh, that would be yeah. Kate. Well, for a while it was Kate Pearson. I was gonna say because Ricky Wilson also did do some keyboards for them. Ricky well. Wilson, Strickland. I mean, they they all. I was gonna say because at one they, point they, they, that 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 that, that title's been passed. They all had some percussive uh, yeah. jobs as well on various songs. I think. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, here's the thing. None of them were, like, spectacular keyboard players, but they made up for it for just having, just making really weird sounds with it and mm-hmm. really weird lines with it, and uh, I think that really worked. Yeah, actually, in my listening, re-listening to the first record, uh, that they were kind of using, like, a Farfisa kind of sound, like a combo organ, like a 60s garage mm-hmm. sort of organ sound, and I thought that really lent to kind of the more of a raw new wave, like, kind of how... Elvis Costello was, especially on his second record, mm-hmm. just really sparse. Like, they weren't going all in with synthesizers or anything like that. They were really kind of toning it back and using what a normal band would use, but to make something entirely new. I mean, really, the, the, the keyboards were more or less for effects. Mm-hmm. Used very effectively, but it wasn't trying to be... A, at least, yeah, you're right at first. not a central part of the music. Mm-hmm. So... 
Um, but that being said, you guys want to just jump right into the discography? And well, we, were, kind of we were kind of already getting touching on the, on the first album. We were uh, kind of touching on it. So a question just right off the bat is what would you guys say is your favorite song off the first record? Ooh, yeah. That's hard. I want it, like, obviously Rock Lobster is just an absolute cult classic. Definitely. And especially with, like, getting into them as young as I did. Like, that is a song you just can lose your oh, absolute yeah. shit to. Heavily when... parodied, heavily uh, covered yes. as well. Um, I think it's in, like, I think I checked. It was, like, 132 or 152 or something on, like, Rolling Stone's 500 rated songs of all time. Wow. It, it's, I know he's a piece of shit, but John Lennon, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people say he's a musical genius. Um, yeah, he, he definitely has a lot of talent, but he said he was like kind of lapsed from making music for many years. And when yeah. he heard that song, he's like, that's I want to get back into making music. Yeah, that's what inspired him to come back to do- and make Double Fantasy. Yeah. Which, I mean, well, because I, I read too that, because we're talking about like Rock Lobster, like yeah. the song, like, so the, like, all the animal noises towards like the middle end part of that was like kind of inspired by, by Yoko, Yoko Ono, yeah. Yeah. like, which I think is funny because it's just like this it's... like feedback loop of, I saw the finger go up, was there? We'll talk more about Yoko Ono later. I fucking love Yoko Ono. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. She gets such a bad rap. She gets such a bad rap. And the B-52s on the original version of Whammy covered Yoko Ono. Yes. So we'll talk because about Because the, but she didn't want them to, but, um, but no, going to rock, yeah, rock, it's, how, it's a song called Rock Lobster. Mm-hmm. It's, the lyrics are meaningless. It is just a, one of the more, I'd say one of the oddest, like, hit, like, cult hit, whether cult hit or just hit songs in general, like, probably has ever been in the rock charts. Mm-hmm. I, I still do this, to this day, do not know why that song works so well. It just does. Everything in that song just comes together in just this weird, odd package. It's yeah. that iconic opener, I think. Y- y- that... Just like the couple of like notes that you get in the oh opening, God, where you're yeah. just like, you hear that. I mean, hell, Panic at the Disco did like a version of that recently oh, no. with oh. uh, "Don't Threaten Me with a Good Time" or whatever that song mm-hmm. was. And like the first time I heard that, I immediately thought weirdly that they were doing a cover of Rock Lobster, but it's because those notes are so iconic. It's like if you hear, I'm trying to think of like a song off the top of my head, where like you hear that like opener twang of like "A Hard Day's Night" by the Beatles. Yeah, right. Like, like you satisfaction know, by yeah, the Beatles. Yeah, like you hear mm-hmm. one note, you hear. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's that's it. So I think that might be a huge part of it. And, yeah. and I will say, what here comes the bikini whale and the falling scream, I think, from Cindy? Maybe. I, I kick Cindy and um, Kate can use sometimes vocally, but those, that is one of the most iconic <laughs> screams of all time. It is just, I could talk about Rock Lobster forever, um, but I, to your original question, what's our favorite? Rock Lobster, this is so cliche. I don't know. I can't think of it. I really can't. Like, Rock Lobster is certainly up there, but if anyone listening, if all you know of this record, the self-titled debut, is Rock Lobster, you are doing yourself an incredible disfavor. Everything, Mm -hmm. everything in this record is really good. Well, because, like, as I got older, like, because at first it was like, okay, like, Rock Lobster, Planet Claire, like, whatever. Like, Dance This Mess Around was, like, such an underrated track. And, I mean, I feel like underrated is a dumb thing to say because, like, if you're a B-52s fan, you definitely know Dance This Mess Around. But, like, if you don't know B-52s, most people know Rock Lobster. A decent amount of people know Planet Claire. And I feel like everything else on that album kind of gets glossed over if you're not, like, really into their discography. And I feel like it's also a disservice if you don't give Dance This Mess Around a a Also had a soft spot for There's a Moon in the Sky. Yes, Love. the last minute, the last riff that they closed with on that was stuck in my head the entire day. So iconic. And I I favored Lava a lot as well. Lava's great. Really nice that dark distortion on those guitars. Love that. Lava. So I mean, you know, and 52 Girls, Lance might be the best place for any 
one kind of cautious about going into them because it's like the normal song on the record. Mm -hmm. But it's also really catchy. It's got a great hook. If I was if I was to be nitpicky too, I wasn't a big fan of the closer uh, downtown. Yeah, that's kind of forgettable for me. Right, I forget who I forget who really did it, but it's okay. a cover. Well, then that explains it. I I wasn't a big fan it, of that. Didn't sound it, very it's just it just kind of, that one that one I kind of agree with that. That one sounds kind of an off kilter for me. I mean, I feel like to their credit though, when you crap out that many great songs in a row, you mm-hmm. kind of get a pass. Yeah. <laughs> when it's like okay, just, like we don't know how to end you this. You can just stop like, at six oh six eight four two and you're good. Yeah. yeah. So. It's a Petula Clark cover, by the way. Thank yes, thank you. Let's transition in the second record then. Uh, I'll play and, yeah, and try to talk about some main differences that we're going to get from the first record to the second record because there's not Is, many. It's kind of continuation. Because well, I was gonna say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's okay. I was just gonna say it was it, to me it was kind of a continuation of just all those great ideas again. Yeah. Um, just kind of like. On a, on a repeat, but still pretty iconic, most of these songs. But well, because I think I remember reading in, like, totally feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. that they actually recorded so much for their self-titled yes. that, like, this album, the reason why it feels like a continuation of the first is because it is. Right. Like, they had so many songs, they didn't mm-hmm. know what to do with them, so they basically were like, cool, half is going on the self-titled, half is going on Wild Yeah, right. I want to say, like, Running Around, Strobe Light, and I... I think Devil in My Car were kind of already like yes. songs they're playing live before they even made the first record. But so, the, but the big big difference between these two records and how they're so similar aesthetically is that when a lot of the times when band bands do this, like I, I point to Radiohead as an example, like they all the tracks on Amnesia were from basically Kid A B sides, right? Mm-hmm. And people look at that record as just kind of boring and kind of just like just getting another record out there. I think the difference was that with this was Wild Planet is just as exciting. As absolutely the self-titled. Um, by rule, I tend not by but for me, I tend to give the edge to the debut a little more. Oh, definitely. I, I don't. I don't know if I said this. The debut record's one of my favorite albums mm-hmm. of all time. Like maybe even top ten. I adore that record mm-hmm. front to back. And Wild Planet is right, just as exciting and just as good. And honestly, it just depends on who you can go to. I mean, it's kind of like a one A one B type of situation where you right. really rank them. And, I mean, again, there's not a lot of too many sonic differences between the two, which is maybe the production on Wild Planet's a little fuller mm-hmm. than it was in the first. And uh, other than that, I mean, I really, to me, I... Some of my favorite so songs good. are off Wild Planet, though. Strobe Light, that's my shit. Private Idaho. Yep, yep, definitely classic. Probably my favorite single of theirs is yeah. Private Idaho. Maybe even my favorite song. I know that's kind of, kind of original, but... I don't know. I mean, um, if your favorite song is one of their bigger songs, I mean, it's their bigger song for a reason. It's because yeah. it's good. So, but... Yeah. Devil in My Car, too. Perfectly. Just the right amount of cheeky. Um, <laughs> just fantastic tone all around, too. Love that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, it, it's... I, I, let's look at these two albums as, like, one big package. Really? that is. essentially is what it is. It is. I mean, do, do, you, do you prefer one over the other? I want to say that they just slammed more... Of okay, I don't know how to like phrase it, but I agree with you that the self-titled in my mind gets a little bit of an edge over Wild Planet, namely because one, you have that like shininess factor. This had like the, the when it first came out, we had never really heard something like this before. They had so many great songs back to back to back to back. And so when Wild Planet came out, it's cool because it's like, okay, like, it's like that whole, like, (laughs) diminishing returns econ thing where you're like, cool, like, my first slice of pizza, I'm really going to dig it because I'm hungry and I love pizza. But by, like, the fifth slice of pizza, I'm like, I still like pizza, but now I'm getting full. So it's like, I Mm -hmm. really do like Wild Planet, just like I really like pizza, but, like, I feel like it's so similar that 
you can get a little tired of it, but yeah. they did do themselves a service by putting Private Idaho on there and not looping it in with yeah. the yeah. rest of the self-titled like bangers yeah. because I feel like if they lost that or like double in my car, if for whatever mm-hmm. reason they made the decision to pull those onto the self-titled, they would have, I would have, I don't think I would have thought so highly. Oh. It could have definitely suffered like a sophomore mm-hmm. slump. For sure, and and, and I, I kind of want to go off of Pride of Idaho because it, it, I think this song is a perfect, maybe well, one of the most perfect demonstrations of the through three-way vocal duties between Fred Schneider, Kate Wilson, and sorry no, Cindy Wilson and Kate Pearson. Mm-hmm. Um, they are just one of the best like vocal like dynamics you'll ever hear in music. They are just so good. Fred Schneider is not the strongest vocalist, but he makes up for it for sheer like odd weird charisma in his delivery yeah. he's just just so interesting to listen would to would you say you even favor these group vocals over bad religions group vocals i was actually going to get to that in oh, just a Lord. second okay. because i'm going to get to that in a second but um but, th- but then you have the wonderful wonderful um harmonies between uh uh kate and cindy and they're just just fantastic and they're both great vocalists in their own rights and um just it just, it just all works so well in, in a package. And you mentioned Bad Religion because I actually was going to mention them because Brett Gruitz, guitarist of Bad Religion, said a band that he would actually kind of influence, was kind of influenced by, I really, 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 really liked, was the B-52s. Mm. You know, it's, I feel like B-52s for a lot, I guess a lot of punk rockers, I feel like they're kind of like the Johnny Cash out is the country. You know, like yeah. people said, I don't like country, but I really like Johnny Cash. Yeah, you gotta I, pay your tribute to. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I, I kind of feel like people say, I'm not a huge new wave guy, but the B-52s, and it was, and when you go listen, start listening to like their album Suffer, and when they start doing the oohs and ahs, mm-hmm. it is all over this song. It's yeah. all over Private Idaho, and I think it's just, I can definitely like see. That band, like looking at that, it's like we should do that, but with punk rock. And right. I think it's just, um, yeah, I, yeah. So I kind of owe a special place in my heart for that song because of it. So, yeah. um, really love, 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 love that track. And I think Wild Planet is a very strong second. So now record. we're transitioning away from our big package of debut material, and now we're going to Whammy, which do you want to start this one off, Ben? I can talk about Whammy. Go for it. So. <clears throat> I'm a big Devo fan. You <laughs> <laughs> already didn't establish. And uh, Whammy really, really, really sounds like one of the, like, oh no, it's Devo, like mid 80s, really shitty Devo records. Mm. Like they started getting bad after like 83, which is when this came out, I think. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the production, Precisely. the production is super similar. And there's lots of like like yeah. synth lines that run back and forth. It's super duper synthy compared to anything else they did. And mm-hmm. I couldn't find a lot to hold on to. Like there are some songs that survive the production that isn't really helping them out. But uh. yeah, I'll, I'll give you. I'll I like Whammy, but it's definitely a step down from the previous two, um, mainly because of production. I will because I will say this: the, the B-52s are so odd; they're able to get away with a lot of production choices that used to drive me insane. Like Cowbells, that's on Rock Lobster. I cannot stand Cowbells for the life of me. I think they sound stupid, clunky, and terrible, but they are so darn weird. I can get away with having them in there. Yeah. I'm all right with that. Drum machines, by rule, I tend not to like, except for very specific circumstances. Whammy, I'm a little more okay because they're a little, little weirder, but 
I love Devo, like he does, so I'm okay kind of with the more Devo-ish sound, but at the same time, I listen to the B-52s for the B-52s, not for Devo. So hmm. I feel like some of the production choices here kind of holds us back from being fan a really fantastic record. Because I think the songwriting's still there. Yeah. What about you, Jordan? I think you kind of hit on it a second ago when you were talking about Sophomore Slumps, is like because we had Wild Planet and they're self-titled as effectively like one mass collection, like yeah. this is their Sophomore Slump. Mm. This is a really, I don't know, I'll listen to it because I like the B-52s. Will I like seek it out because I'm like, oh, I really want to listen to the B-52s today? Not really. If it comes up on Shuffle, I may complete a song. I may not. Like I, I'm ambivalent to it. It's the songwriting, like you said, is there. The lyrics are there. It's just, I don't know. It's a pretty... Because Strickland, meh. the drummer, kind of got a case of, I don't want to do my job. I don't feel like playing drums. And I don't know what the hell that deal was. Well, because they did, he, this, or the next one, no, the next album, I think, Bouncing Off Satellites, was actually like one of the last albums where he did play drums. Because hmm. then they ended yeah. up replacing it with a drum machine full time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, until Cosmic Thing. Because um, the Cosmic Thing wasn't a drum machine, I don't think. I thought that he transitioned off drums after Ricky Wilson died. Yes, I, I, I well, I think they had a drummer. I just don't think it was uh, Strickland. So yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, because I know that he talked about for a while that they were like, yeah, like we're just gonna yeah. put a drum machine on, and because it just works for what we needed. Yeah, they did that with bouncing. They did it with this one and bouncing the satellites. You can actually kind of see, <laughs> like, there is a point in time here where, like, between album releases on like the. Wikipedia timeline, they just don't have a drummer. <laughs> yeah, so. no, which is actually funny because Bouncing Off the Satellites is probably one of my more favorite albums by them, and I know that's really controversial. Whoa. No, I, I, okay. I, I, I well, thought we'll that was better too. That, that, yeah. let, me, let me make my point on okay. Whammy real quick. I feel like this album has songs, but it's not a good album. When you, when you look at something like mm -hmm. Song for a Future Generation, that's a great I mean, fuck, song. Dude, fuck. That, that's, that's, that's a banger. Jam. Absolute banger. Um, so catchy lyrically, since mysterious that all all you want out of a B fifty two song. Just the weird that should have been the same. Vocals from every band deal. member on this album. Mm. They're all like yeah, reading their yeah. like OK Cupid profiles in the middle of the song. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're, I love they're, it. They're star it's signs. So B fifty two. It's the only song I can't skip off this album. Yeah. If I if it comes up, it's like you gotta. Listen I even to it. love the uh, the closure a lot. Uh, work that skirt. That's good. It, it was instrumental and. I wanted an instrumental out of this band because it's so interesting underneath the vocals, and I wanted to see what they can do without that extra Too element. Too bad drum machines. I, I like drum machines. We, we, we had debated this last night, dude. Drum machines are a gift from God. If they're used effectively. Yes. Because, I mean, there's a real easy... Very few circumstances where I'm looking. There's a real, like, thin line between, like, B-52s and, like, becoming the Thompson twins. Like, <laughs> which, to be fair, Hold Me Now has been stuck in my head for, like, three weeks, and I don't know why. But, hmm. I mean, yeah, there's a real fine line on drum machines. Yeah. That was my, my yeah. view on Whammy. Do yeah. we want to just move on from there? Yeah, I don't have much more to say. It's just, I just has... But that's because of the feel on Whammy. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's cool. You yeah. want to move on? Right. Like, yeah, you know, it, there's there's potential there, and I think Whammy. There's just oh. a lot of too many flaws. Yeah, they covered Yoko Ono for this album. But then that's why they had to do Moon '83 because they she's like no, and then they just remix. Yeah, it was originally for a Yoko Ono a moon covers sky. compilation, and then they said, oh, that covers compilation isn't happening, and they put it on their record, and then Yoko Ono was like. No, you're not going to do that. It would also be remiss, because I know we talked about this before recording, this was the album that David Byrne from Talking Heads like tried to Well, he mix. tried, he was, I think we say it was Mesopotamia, he tried to produce Mesopotamia, and that turned into an EP. Oh, shit. I always mistake that one. Yeah, yeah. and I did too. That's, that's why it, I... Is it even on Spotify? 
Um, yeah, Mesopotamia is on okay. Spotify. Yeah, it's, a, lot, a lot of people don't like that one either. For Record Store Day, they I like just re-released yeah. Hmm. yeah, I do actually nice. re- yeah, I remember seeing that on the list. Okay. But... Where is that. it? Where is Mesopotamia? It's called like Party Mix on Spotify. Uh, yeah, yeah, you because okay. because they mixed because there's a Party Mix EP on this time too, and they combine that, um, like in a CD during the nineties. Okay. But I, I, I was gonna say because it's really weird because it lists Mesopotamia as nineteen ninety one, and I that's was like, not true. that's not true. That's <laughs> not true at all. Like so, but yeah, no. Moving on though to bouncing off the satellites, yes. probably. Right up there with their debut for me. Wow. I, Whoa. I, I don't okay. know. Bouncing Off Satellites is like one of those albums that I would constantly go back to and just put on. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm feeling. It doesn't matter what I'm thinking. You put off Bouncing Off the Satellites. And you just like, everything else just like goes away. You just vibes out to like Bouncing hmm. Off the Satellites. I don't know. I feel like it's really unpopular. But I also have that feeling with like a bunch of other bands <laughs> that like they're just like random albums where I'm like. Let's go. I love this album. Andrew warned me about this one, but I... I, I thought you would hate this. No, I I, I found a, a lot of enjoyment uh, through this one, especially with the with the opener, Summer of Love. Yeah. A lot such of a gr- good song. A lot of great, just like little moments that happen in that song that kind of throw it all together, like the little tingy synths that happen here and there, you know, more sincere lyricism, which at this point I'm, I was hoping for, you know, just like a little bit of sincerity. That, that is fair, so... I guess the big issue, I mean, it depends on like what you like from your music. I guess like the big, you know, prevailing issue with this album is that this was around the time when uh, Ricky, their guitarist Ricky Wilson died of AIDS. Mm-hmm. Yep, so. he, they mixed this whole, they mixed it. The only thing they hadn't had was the cover art, I read. Okay. Um, but when he died, they had mixed it, recorded it, done everything. They just hadn't decided on what they wanted on the cover. They even decided on like the name and everything. Mm-hmm. And then he died in 85 of AIDS, which I read and was, like, super sad. The entire time he was dying, the only person who knew he had AIDS was Strickland. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. never told anybody, not Including even his own his sister, sister because he didn't want anybody to pity him or baby him. And he didn't want it to affect the That's way that crazy. they were making music. And, like, it's just, like, big old tear rolled down All my right. face. But, I was like, he's a real one. Here's the thing. You, can, you say that, but at the same time, you can kind of hear it. This is a, it's more ballad-heavy. It's more mm-hmm. like, a little more melancholy. It's it a swan just, song for Ricky Wilson, dude. You know, here's, so here's the thing. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not... Like, especially considering the circumstances, I'm totally more open with the more melancholy, more ballad-laden stuff. It's just, I don't know, production just kind of falls out of it. This is like the synth-heavy 80s that I just can't stand. Mm. Um, even in point, like, though there is some still trademark weirdness from B-52s on here, but, like, even for me, as much as I love it, I just... Like Wig, for example, I know you really liked Wig, Michael, but I, I just, I just, that's just like too much for me. I, wig that is, is so silly. It's so silly, and it it's is. like, and it's just too. It's much too for me. no, it's too an extreme that it's kind of like this is, is like this ironic. Is, joy? Yes, yeah, it, like you like kinda. rebound where you're like I hate this, and then you listen to it again, and you're like I still hate this, yeah. and you listen to it like a fourth or fifth time, you're like. Okay, you know what? I have like that, that, I, I bounced get. off the wall. I have come back to the other side, and I have realized I, I still hate it. As soon but it's not that bad. Bounced off the satellite. Yeah, yeah. I bounced off the <laughs> fucking satellite. As soon as soon as I heard the pun towards like the second yes! third, why 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 did he get his wig at a uh, thrift shop? Because he didn't want to pay. I'm like, all right, this is the best song I've ever heard in my life. Like, you know it was so good. I lost my it, whole it, I, there, there is some. I don't hate it. It's just like it's a little too much for me. And but like there are definitely inklings of good of a good B52 song in there. Mm-hmm. But I guess I do like the the second track in there, "Girl from uh, I cannot pronounce it." Girl from Ipanema. 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 Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I I like that one. Mm-hmm. I do like that one. That one uh, Juicy Jungle is also. 
kind of a... Alright, that's, that's, that's a good thing for the two song. But, yeah. you know what? Um, I don't think it's terrible. I don't. But this is definitely one of their weaker albums to me. And I, I do think uh-huh. it kind of had, lives up to that legacy. There's I, definitely a monotoneness and a stagnantness to it. But go ahead, man. I think that the album title and cover kind of detract from it. Because mm-hmm. when you see that goofy cartoon cover and you hear right. bouncing off the set of this you're like oh this B-52s. is going to be a crazy b52's album and they're going to be it's going to sound like the debut it's going to sound like the second record but it's it's really not jovial in any sense of the word yeah. and i mean rightfully so but i don't i yeah i don't have an issue with this record honestly like as a b52's record i can see why you might be disappointed by it, especially if you don't know the circumstances, but mm-hmm. just as an album of this time period with that sound, if you're really into that, like, yeah. mid-late 80s, synthy MTV sound. That's a good way to describe it. I think it's super quality. That's, a, like, my original note for it was this sounds like MTV, like, of this time period yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. And I do like the frankness of it, especially considering what the band was going through. And mm-hmm. Well, because, like, even when you look at, like, Wig, like, that tongue-in-cheek, like, pun where it's like, yes, it's really somber, but, like, they're still trying to be that same, like, cheeky B-52s. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. like, you were just touching on, like, not knowing the circumstances, it's an all right album. Knowing the circumstances for me just strengthens this album, and I think that's kind I, of I why... I think that's fair. I, it drives it over the finish line for me. Cool. But, so... Now we can, uh, I guess we can just move on to Cosmic, cosmic thing. thing. Yeah, they took a few years break after they didn't even tour for Bouncing Off the Satellites. They they only recorded a video for Girl from Ipanema Goes to Greenland, but they like didn't do anything else that entire right. time. Yeah. Which I also feel is like why it doesn't. I don't mean to go back, but I also feel like that's why like no one really like knows yeah, about didn't get it. Promoted at all. It's, mm-hmm. Well, I mean to be fair, everyone was freaking depressed because he died. Yeah, like yeah. it's kind of hard to be all. Especially for like Cindy, Cindy, where like you're. Yeah brother is dead and you've mm-hmm. like known your obviously your whole life but like i don't know so it makes sense that this would be a forgotten album but to come back with cosmic thing cosmic things great to come back with like again one of their more iconic riff even if you don't know the b52s love shack yeah off that one oh. mm-hmm. i think that's like a, a herculean feat to come back from complete depression to, to putting out this album most, probably fun party albums of the late 80s definitely it's just i i i love this is probably my like right behind the two debut. I know again, I'm kind of a very typical B52s fan of saying that, but I think Cosmic Thing is a great record. I really do. I prefer the uh, the B side of this record mostly. Like I, when really? I first kind of went into it and listening to the title track, I was I was kind of bored when I listened oh. to it at first. But then I got to Love Shack and started jamming. Then I went from that to Junebug, June which great. is fantastic, probably one of my faves. And then I go on to, like, Rome, Follow Your Bliss, with that concluded it. Loved all that. So Topaz. Topaz this, 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 um... Uh, what? Just your, like, deep voice, just like, Topaz. Just, like, breathing <laughs> into the microphone. <laughs> this is ASMR now. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I will say this, though. It, um, I, I love Cosmic Thing. I love the title. Uh, the title track's my favorite because it's just that's just a classic B fifty two song right there. It's just, it just sounds like a B fifty two song. Just fly into it. Of course, Love Shack's a classic. I love Junebug. The thing that kind of confused me, like, I, I think, kind of after Junebug and Love Shack, it kind of kind of went into like the same thing for me. Like, it, Whammy did. It's just like halfway through. It's just like, 
When did this become a Flock of Seagulls record? Right. I was kind of thinking that. Here's the thing. I love the first two Flock of Seagulls r- records, so I'm all right with it. It's just a kind of coming for the B-52s. But nonetheless, I, I still think it's an interesting uh, transition, and I still think it's a really fun album to listen to. Mm-hmm. To be fair, when I listened to Rome when I was really little, and I don't know why, I would always think it was a Go-Go song. <laughs> I don't know why, and it's because I think it's just because like the vocals on that kind of remind me, like they give mm-hmm. me this very like go go's feel yeah. for it. But yeah, no, I kind of understand like what you're talking about, where it just sort of like it peaks, but every mountain's got to come down. So sure. I mean, well, I'm not, I'm not even saying like in quality. It was just kind of like okay, well, in tone, like in emotion. tone and like I think it felt a little more serious. It felt kind of more spaced out and stuff that the flock of singles were known for making. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't know why they felt like they keep needing to copy themselves off of other. New wave fans, but you know, they just their own. I mean, they still had their trademark. Well, B52's weirdness. Yeah. I think a lot of this record sounding like that would probably be the production because this was Niall Rogers and Don was producing, and they were responsible for like a shitload of stuff in the 80s, like really big like, like, like stuff. Like the more synth 80s new wave? Right. So that like, makes sense. Yeah, like Niall Rogers was in Chic, <laughs> mm. uh, and then he went on to be a big producer. And I'm trying to find the stuff he did, but yeah, he was producing for like, like David Bowie's "Let's Dance" and Madonna's "Like a Virgin" album, and uh, nice. Duran. So like small stuff, right? Like yeah, nothing like really, big. really like, small, like little well, tiny stuff. Like barely cracked the charts. This is probably. Is this the most commercially successful record, or would that be the debut? I honestly don't know that. I, I, I want to say Love Shack is their Shack. biggest hit. I want to say Love Shack definitely. is their biggest hit. Maybe Rock Lobster has become more well-known since mm. it's surpassed it, but at least at the time when this would have come out, Love Shack was probably way more well-known to like a general audience than yes. Rock Lobster. I definitely. do have to say, though, like given the years and like considering their entire discography, like... Love Shack kind of grates on the nerves after a while. Not gonna lie, hmm. like you, it's like hmm. every drunk karaoke song. It's every you ever like somebody like, oh, you're a big B52s fan. They're like, I love Love Shack. You're like, cool. What <laughs> else? Like, Come on. I don't know. Can I don't want to be like that person. Not Planet Claire. Come on. Because well, I don't. And I don't want to be that person because it's like, okay, like obviously people are gonna know their biggest songs because they're their biggest songs for a reason. But mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. I feel like it. It's a great album. It, it's not my favorite single. Definitely. But yeah, I feel like it definitely. I'm kind of curious, like, what you guys would view as like why it became as big as it did. Well, I mean, Love Shack is a jam, and I, I don't know. Like, I mean, here's the thing: no one really had any. Well, on the surface level, of things kind of like, kind of like in the late '90s. So I don't think anyone really had any like. Like a lot of people, like, like issues. People were like super sad or anything. I mean, like, I mean, grunge is about to come out of the corner. I mean, this is like the eighty era of hair metal. So I think people, would, I think the idea of like Love Shack and these like kind of retro, you know, this retro themed band, you know, mm-hmm. coming around with this huge, really feel good party jam. I think that would speak to a lot of people. Yeah. So I think um, what was, what was that? What was that one nineties one at Wonder? It was a uh, groove is groove is in the heart. That was like the Delight. next year. Delight. Yes. Yes, um, that was around, and that was around the next year too. So I think this kind of stuff did have some place in the late '80s, early '90s. I will take back what you just said, though, about there not being like much going on in like the late '80s, because well, like there was definitely like very much like AIDS in the Cold War. Well, like yes. there was a lot going on in the '80s. <laughs> That's true. We're like, true, actually, like, no. Like think about that now, though. The, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see that reflecting on like the top, top of the charts. I mean, it was like hair metal and fucking. Power pop, maybe some traces of like 80s alternative, but yeah. it was like, 
except for maybe like REM, like you weren't finding like the the, the really dour stuff that we that would come just a few years later. With yeah. That's fair. And I'm wondering if I kind of just answered my own question by interjecting that, where it's like the reason why Love Shack became so big when it did is because all this shit was happening. So it's like that, here's this like love be. fun dance around. We're in a mm-hmm. shack in the middle of nowhere, covered in glitter, sweating our asses off. Yeah. Let's have fun. Like yeah. so. <laughs> There was a time this summer that I was walking past a high school baseball game and they were playing Love Shack over the PA and I was like, okay. And then I walked back like half an hour later and they were playing Love Shack over the PA again. Power move. Power move. Was it a high school? Yeah, it was just a high school baseball game. for high school. Although one one time I... uh, um, I, th- I think it was for like a homecoming assembly, and the one time to play like Jump by Van Halen. I'm like, hmm. yeah, you know, I, I, to myself, just kind of snickering to myself, you're all idiots. You know, the song's about suicide, right? Is like, the techno is that still, remix? Is that still Dave Clark's ringtone? I don't know. Probably for the probably. longest time, that opening that. I did hear it when we were in Traverse City over the summer, so it probably still Pro- is. Okay, because it was his ringtone, so I was going to say, watch your mouth when you're talking <laughs> smack about Van Halen. Or hey, I love Van Halen. No, no, it's, that it's, it's me who has a vendetta for Van Halen, but yeah, that's, that's, that's topic for another day. Um, do you guys want to just briefly go into what would be coming after this album? Yeah, you want to talk about Because they stuff. had something in the 90s, they had something in the 2000s. Just briefly I, go I, over I, I it to I don't know much about Funplex, which is their album in 2007. I, I, I know a little bit more about Good Stuff, which was in the late early 90s. I mean, this is the only record they ever made without Cindy Wilson. I, I don't know, if, I forget who they, got, they replaced her with, but she, she, she fit the bill all right. The album started off strong, and then it kind of went into this weird eco-warrior, like, spaced-out thing, and I wasn't sure what to make of it. Yeah, this was the album where I slowly, like, you know when, like, you're really into a band for a while, and then they put something out, and you're just like, not a fan, and then you just kind of drift from them a little bit <laughs> until, like, you come back? I don't know. Like, I, I have that with bands where I'm, like, not impressed with, like, a direction they're taking yeah. or, like, a sound that they're trying to go for. And for me, Good Stuff was kind of, like, where I started breaking with the B-52s for a little while until I would, like, come back later and just, like, revisit, like, their later stuff. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of agree where it's another one of those sort of, like, whammy where I was like, man, like, this is... All right, I mean, there's I, some songs, but... You know, I, 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 maybe somewhat ironically, but I kind of like the first three stuff. Like, the title track's all right. I like Hot Plants Explosion. That's just a stupid song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then Revolution Earth comes in, and they were trying to get political on here. I'm like, interesting move for the B-52s. I'm never against bands trying to be political, but... Interesting move, <laughs> but, you know, it's just... It, it, it just felt really shoehorned and really just kind of preachy, and I just... It just felt really cheesy. I wasn't into it. I don't know what you think. Captain Planet. Very. <laughs> well, and then, like, wouldn't, like, three years later or something like that, they'd go on to record, like, the theme for Rocco's Modern Life? Yeah, I did. I, I think they also recorded, like, a like a song for, like, one of the Pokemon movies. Or they did. They recorded, no they recorded yeah. a song for the Pokemon movie. They recorded a song for the Flintstones live-action yes! movie starring John Goodman. Wow. And they recorded the theme for Rocco's Modern Life. And if you watch the new Rocco's Modern Life uh, special on Netflix, I think they re-recorded their theme. And wow. wasn't there like a naked like indie film around this time that was named after like Private Idaho? Uh, Private Idaho. Oh yeah, my, yeah. There, it's it's my starring own. like Matt Damon, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a really commercially so successful film. So essentially, what they were doing between Good Stuff and Funplex was just branching out, brand, like just just making movie soundtracks. They were being That's commercial cool. as hell, which I mean, good for them. Like the band's got to survive. True, but. Yeah, I think around this time, this is when I, like, started, like, again, falling out of them. Have, and have they started ever, doing other projects. Yeah. And have you ever listened to Funplex? 
Not totally. Yeah. Again, okay. it's one of those where it's like, I, I put these guys on shuffle, like if something from Funplex pops up, I'll be like, oh. Nah. And that's just <laughs> it. That's just it. You're just like, oh. Yeah. Um, to answer your question about which Pokemon movie, though no one asked this question, it was from Pokemon the movie 2000. Yes. The oh. one with Entei in it, because Very I nice. love Pokemon. I and the song is called The Chosen One, if anyone. Oh, that was them? Apparently. Oh my god. Um, there we go. The yeah. chosen one. Let's just review let's review all the Poker apps for an episode. <laughs> like all the Poker apps? Yes. They apparently later on also signed like a contract with Target and did a bunch of commercials for Oh, them. That's, Target that's also lame. used the song Junebug in like two thousand two okay. to like okay, advertise. That's for that, them. that's that's mm. more lame. But, I, I like uh, them less now. Yeah. What a, what are you what an interesting career this band has. Yeah, right? they are, and they're in the end of touring. They're in the middle of a tour. I've heard it's their last, but I don't know if I believe that. But mm. yeah, they were in. They were uh, in, in Grand, Michigan. They, they were in, in Grand, Grand Rapids. Rapids. Yeah, I missed them. I know they sure. was. They had a show on September 11th. I was like, oh, because <laughs> well, I looked up. I was like, huh. Well, wonder speaking if they're, of like, Devo, did around. you see? The, did you see? I think it was the lead singer of Devo. I think he got married to like. He was like. It's weird because he was like really old and like the, the girl's twenty years younger than him. It was gross. But what was also gross is that someone like pranked him at his wedding and they gave, and made like a nine eleven themed wedding where they had like box cutters as gifts and like a twin tower cake. This is horrifying. This is horrifying. It. Yeah, it was fucking terrifying. Am I supposed to have a problem with that? That's why I love Devo. Oh, <laughs> oh of course. I, I remember I Ben made that joke in the middle of. <laughs> I forgot 9-11 jokes were offensive to people. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not trying to be edgy joke guy. That's what I realized I became okay. when I made well. that joke. Fun fact, they also covered the Squid Billies theme. <laughs> Thanks for watching. These Jordan. transitions. Woo! Anyways, I think, final I think, thoughts I think, of the B-52s, everyone. Uh, thank you for showing this to me. Okay. I had a great time listening to this, and I will definitely be revisiting Oh, it's there. Thank you for letting me do the episode, Michael. This yeah. is definitely one on the bucket list I wanted to do for this, for this show. Love, 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 love this band to bits. Uh, one of my favorites. Listen to everything they've done. Well, most of everything they've done for those listening at home. Any final words from you? No, I was just really excited when you reached out to me and you said you want to do a podcast on the B-52s. I felt very special because you were like, yeah, you want to come talk about the B-52s? I was like, I am never going to say no to something like this. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, no, this is awesome. Thanks really so much, Jordan, for here. being here. Yeah, you're a great, you're, this is a lot of fun. Thank yeah. you, thank you, guys. Well, well, we always have our tradition of recommending something. doesn't have to be New Wave or B-52s related, just a random yeah, piece of music that you've been you listening to. I did, actually. Cool. So if you guys want, do you want me to go? No, you to go? guess go first. Guess go so, first. So, okay. Right when you had texted me, you were like, oh, we do this piece. And it's kind of funny that we brought up Weezer. Mm. There is this guy uh, I found randomly on my Spotify recommended for you. His name is Billy Cobb, C-O-B-B. And he has... Definitely heard that name. He uh, is like kind of pseudo-punky, like garage punk like type of thing. But he did a mini EP of like... Weezer-esque sounding songs, hmm. and the album is called Zerwe. Z e r w e e. What era of Weezer are we talking about? Um, it it sounds like uh, I don't know, yeah, like Blue Album ish. Um, but there are four. And it looks like a Weezer. Yeah, there are there are four cover. songs on nice. it. All of them are really good. Um, the my favorite is either 1955 off that. I've been humming it for a couple days. There's also dumb songs for or. Uh, yeah, Dumb Songs for Virgins to Cry To is another song off that album. Um, but no, like his other stuff is a little more, his, his other stuff is a little more like garage punky and, and not as like Weezer sounding. Um, but it's equally as good. 
And and I, I really think that you guys would dig them if you're into Weezer, but you're also into a little bit of like garage songs. So. This this is this sounds right up my alley. I'm definitely gonna. Check I definitely that out. got recommended that like at the same time. Yeah, I knew it sounded familiar. <laughs> yeah. You want to go next? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm gonna recommend. I think they're an Australian punk band. They're kind of a little more. I don't know what kind of punk you describe them as. Uh, they say bad cop, bad cop is uh, something similar to them. I don't agree with that. They don't sound a lot. Uh, Spotify's telling me they sound like that. Spotify bad, fakes bad. your algorithm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, I, it's probably because, honestly, it's probably because there's a female singer, which is just a load of bull. Um, because they do not sound anything like bad cop, bad cop. I think they're, they kind of started off as like a standard hardcore punk band. But I don't think you've said who this is. I said drones. Drones, drones. okay, drones. sorry. Sorry, I, right, I didn't say it. The band's called Drones. Um, there's like a multiple different bands called like The Drones. Um, it's, there's no the with this band. It's, it's Drones. drones. Um, the first record was released in 2011, it's called Mutiny, and then their last record was released in 2018 called Exile, so that's what we're looking for. Um, first record was a little more raw, a little more official, a little more punky. Um, the second one had a little more of a metallic vibe to it and a little more. Uh, for like you know, fleshed out production, that kind of like the second album, Exile. Let me go check that out. Check out the song Inferno. It's a really, really, really good song. Um, I discovered these guys going down a bunch of music radicals about a month ago. So, yeah, definitely a cool band. Check them out. Nice. You want to go next, Ben? Yeah, sure. I'll go. We'll go around the table. Um, so I'd like to recommend something from 1977. Uh, mm. This is by an artist named Gary Wilson. He was the son of a lounge singer, grew up playing keyboards, grew up playing basically every instrument. This record's called You Think You Really Know Me. Uh, he released it himself, recorded it at the studio that was built in their basement. It's kind of like lounge music from another dimension. I'm already something in love like with that. It. It's crazy. <laughs> like his vocal styles, he very much has the lounge singer like, hey, ho, da 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 da. And, yeah. but like, his voice is bizarre. The things he sings about, like there's a song called 6.4 equals make out, and I don't know what that means. I have a an idea, but um, it's he the just, size that counts. So. <laughs> he just says 6.4 equals make out. He sings it more and more intensely for like six <laughs> minutes, and that's the song. This kind of reminds me. Have you ever heard of Richard Cheese? Yeah, it sounds like a Richard Cheese. Dude, it's type a little Richard bit like that. <laughs> like, like, like Richard Cheese's like System of a Down, like yeah. chop suey. Like, yeah, it's a little it like bit that? like that, like, but like like very much. It's got a lot more synthiness, and okay. it's a lot more it's a lot more sincere. Like he just sounds like the weird kid in high school that doesn't really talk, but then he's he unleashes these songs like "Groovy Girls Make Love at the Beach" and stuff like that, where it's funky and weird, and you feel kind of uncomfortable listening to it, but it's really undeniable. So I'd highly recommend that entire record. I have recommended it to tons of people that I would never think would listen to any music like that, and I think it's just kind of something you can't really say I hate. It, you can say that's weird. I'm not gonna listen to it, but I don't think you can hate it, and I don't really know why. Nice. I, I'm just happy to know Richard Cheese. That makes me. I made my day. My boyfriend and I literally on the car ride up here were listening to the system of it, the chop suey one because we <laughs> always jokingly do the why did you leave the keys whenever we can't find the car keys. Oh my God. So. Uh, Lo I love. Uh, I like. I like the. I like his version of uh, War Ensemble by Slayer. Just war. I'm not gonna do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do not have 
a tenth of the vocal talents that man has. So nice. Uh, if you don't know, Richard Cheese covers like he's like a lounge artist and covers a bunch of pop like my pop neck, my songs. back. He did. That is oh. so good. I think oh. I had tears. He did, like, he, like, he does a bunch of lounge down covers. My face like, the first time I heard that. Richard Cheese. There, there, there's by other records. It's like excuse a recognition place to be honest. Richard Cheese. Did you not know of Richard Cheese or oh? oh. Excuse me for a second. He was in the Lego Movie too. Was he really? Yeah. For like a few seconds, he was background music in one of the sequences. Yeah. No shit. Okay. To, ra- to wrap it up, I'll just uh, recommend something a little more or a little less underground, something that everybody knows. I've been listening to a weird combination of music t- this week. Had the B-52s on one end, had Low End Theory from A Tribe Called Quest on one end, and then I had uh, a lot of Fleet Foxes as well. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you to listen to Helplessness Blues by the Fleet Foxes, just a classic uh, folk country album. Um touching on a lot of themes to do with like growing up as a millennial um kind of getting stuck in a really hard time no it's like it's it's pro millennial it's pro we are in the worst time ever right now so uh, which is funny that you say that because i don't think any of us are millennials i think we're all technically gen z really uh, well, yeah. well, 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 well they say gen z starts after 2000 correct mm-hmm. nope after the gen z from what i have heard if you were born at a certain point in 1996 is when it starts and if you didn't have any older siblings that you could like kind of like siphon their like millennial culture from so like i'm i'm the oldest of four i was born in 96 so i technically am a gen z kid because i don't have any older siblings that like i could leash like we're we, off. i think we're all pretty much the border we're all pretty much we the are the border, border. We we're, are the border. we're the border we're the border but we're zennials either way a lot of people, younger people, can relate to this no, album. No, 100%. And, uh, you know, if you've ever listened to Fleet Foxes before, very ethereal sound, very, like, kind of heavenly, like, kind of group chorusy vocals uh, with some great folk instrumentation. Just go check it out. Uh, classic album here. Sufjan Stevens adjacent. Oh, yeah, Sufjan Stevens. So, We're going to do an episode on him one of these days. Can you, like, Skype me in? Yeah, we'll bring you in for the Yoko Ono episode. Yes! (laughs) Let's go! Oh, my God. We have someone now. I could make you guys listen to Yoko Ono. I already listened to Yoko Ono. If if we do do, like, the four-way Beatles debate, which sounds like absolute madness, I don't know. Wait, is this, like, a a choose-your-fighter? Like, we're just going to, like, pick a Beatle to back and then run them? You can come in and defend Yoko if you want. Technically, not a Beatle. Yeah, who's, who's your favorite Beatle other My, than Yoko Ono? Um, someone can take George Martin if they want. <laughs> and then someone can come in with the gun for Mill Spectre. Pete Best. <laughs> Pete Best was the best. No, um, Stu Sutcliffe? Uh, no. <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe George? Yes! Maybe George? I don't know. I gotta I gotta hand it to Ringo and the chutzpah that he exudes trying Ringo's to sell. Ringo's just always trying, happy to Trying to sell... MS Paint style clip art on his what have you yes. seen have you seen some of his artwork? You have to he, look up Ringo's MS okay. Paint art right now. What? Literally, oh. literally he draws shit in like MS Paint and it's yes. like on his website for like nine thousand dollars. Yeah, like there's, not one, totally there's one an called like and they just he just names him like Hat Man and he called there's one called like your baby. It's literally <laughs> like my eight-year-old sister like drew something on paint and like shit. I'm not kidding. I'm You're not kidding. And like you it? really, you really gotta hand it to this man. Just the confidence that exudes <laughs> yeah. to just throw that up there yeah, and just live see. your life. If I put something like that on the internet, I'd kill art. myself. Ringo Star Art. If I had to put my name on something like what that, what the fuck? I'd die. It's so I'd die. good. <laughs> 
But God bless him. God bless. You know what? He's done his duty for society. If if he wants to go flop around and have a seizure on MS Paint, more power to him. (laughs) Perfect way to end this episode. Everyone clowns on Ringo, but you can't hate Ringo. Did he do the shirts for Kanye's new album? (laughs) I I don't. Well, what? We're not talking about Kanye. Okay. We're ending That's this fair. episode before oh, we talk yeah. about Kanye. I'll talk Kanye. to you about it after. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, that took me... Wait, was he on a... Because I know... No, no, no. I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Okay, soon. all right. You're throwing me. But hey. it's probably best to end here. Thank you, Jordan, for coming on. Thank Appreciate you so it. Much. Thank you guys blast. for having me. Um, what are we doing next week? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. What are we? need to figure that out. I just yeah. realized. You don't Shit. know. You okay. should eventually do an album Maybe on we can do the, the most weirdest Christmas songs from the least likely of He wanted to do a Christmas episode. The Maybe Fear we'll do Christmas that before song. we do the top ten albums of the decade. Maybe. Christmas albums. Christmas we, could, we could do top ten albums of the decade right when we get back. Oh yeah, I what if something that, comes out? I want out. that to be the yeah. season finale. I wanted it to be season finale, though. Yeah, okay. We're so. still recording. We should probably say bye. Everyone, everyone <laughs> says, yeah, okay. Everyone, We'll think about it. All right. Tune in next next, week. next episode will be a surprise. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening for whatever the hell this was. Good night, As Detroit. As always, good night, Detroit. Right. Hit it. Hit it.